G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. There are times when we feel so discouraged. God will send you encouragement, the right time, the right place, when you grow weary. Today with Jeff Vines. Hi there, I'm Bill, and thanks for joining us again on Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is nearing the end of our series on the seven principles we can apply to our lives found in Gideon's life, in Judges chapter 6. And this time we're up to number five, the idea that God will send you encouragement when you grow weary and afraid. Let's get into Pastor Jeff's message now on Today with Jeff Vines. So Gideon has been called now to lead the campaign against genocide and annihilation of his people. So his task does indeed possess eternal ramifications. And what we've been saying in this entire series is so do your tasks. God has called you to something and it has eternal ramifications. We want to live the wild life. We want God to do amazing things in us and through us. I think most of us, that's where we are. But the reality is in those seasons when God is doing his best work, man, those are tough seasons to endure. Think about it. God is stripping away from you things that you really trust in, that you love, and suddenly they're gone. And God's greater purpose is at work. But in the meantime, as you're experiencing this heartache, this sense of loss, these trials, these these difficulties, this pressure, It's very difficult sometimes to feel the presence of God and to feel like God is actually doing something of eternal significance. I know there have been times in my life when I've looked over the horizon and I see what's waiting for me. And in my humanity, I've said to God, God, I gotta tell you, I'm afraid. All this is daunting. It's overwhelming. I mean, I wanna believe that you're with me. I wanna believe that you are doing something of eternal value in me, but I gotta be honest with you. I feel alone and I'm uncertain, and I am afraid. Folks, this is where this next principle, the fifth principle, I think will help us understand the mind of God, the personality of God, while God is doing the work of God in us. Here's number five of the precepts or the principles, the attitudes with which we must live if we're going to live the wild life, the compelling life. And it goes like this, principle five, God will send you encouragement when you grow weary and afraid. God will send you encouragement, the right time, the right place, when you grow weary and afraid. Our Heavenly Father knows that there are times when we feel so discouraged. We want to live the big life, 
We so desperately want to do what is good. We want to trust God in the midst of all this devastation and loss. But sometimes, quite frankly, it's just too hard. I love it when Gideon comes to a point where he's got a 450 to 1 odd. He has stood by and watched God sift his army down to 300 men. And I don't know exactly what happens in the text. I do know what happens ultimately in the narrative. But I would imagine Gideon going home that night and he starts to think in the morning, I'm going to face 135,000 well-trained warrior Midianites and I've got 300 men, some torches, some clay jars and our voice. I have no weaponry. I have no javelins or spears. And I'm supposed to go out and defeat this great army for extravagant eternal purposes that are to come in the future. If I were Gideon, I got to tell you, in our own humanity, I would have been terrified. And I think, I think Gideon is scared as well. Now, let's, let's pay attention to something, though. There's two kinds of fear. There's the kind of fear that paralyzes you where you can't move forward. But then there's the kind of fear that you're moving forward because you trust in God, but there's still in your humanity something that overwhelms you and you need a source of encouragement or you don't feel like you're going to make it. So God comes to Gideon in this narrative. I'm in Judges chapter 7, verse 9 through 11. Knowing that Gideon is made out of flesh and blood and he's going to need some encouragement, I want you to look at what happens. Judges 7, verse 9. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give you, give it rather the camp into your hands. Listen to what he says in verse 10 now. If you are afraid, and you say, wait a minute, I said, I thought he sent those who were fearful home. Well, I just said, there's a sense of being fearful where you're paralyzed and you can't move forward. Then there's the sense of a healthy respect for the situation at hand, knowing you cannot survive without God. And so God says to Gideon, Gideon, if you're afraid, if you're fearful, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go down near the camp of the Midianites and I want you to take your servant Purah, verse 11, and I want you to listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. God said, Gideon, array your army for battle. This is what I've been preparing you for. This is where it all comes together. And then he says, Gideon, do I see a little fear in you? Are you weary and tired and maybe burned out? And if you were Gideon, you'd say, God, I, I got to tell you, I just can't help but to keep thinking about this 450 to 1 odds. And I don't even have well-trained warriors. I got a bunch of farmers. It's daunting. It's overwhelming. I want to believe that you're with me. I want to believe that you're doing something amazing, but I just feel so alone. God says, I understand. Go get your servant Pura and do what I tell you to do. Go down to the outskirts of the enemy camp. Get as close as you can. I want you to hear something. Now, there are thousands of tents in the valley because there's 135,000 men, warriors in the valley. Man, that's a lot of tents, right? Yet, God led them, that is Gideon and his servant Pura, to a specific tent where he had just sent a man a specific dream and the contents of the dream are specifically designed by God for his purposes. Now, stay with me. Let me just tell you the narrative. Let me tell you how the story goes. Gideon goes on the outskirts of the enemy camp. So he's in shouting distance. He can hear. And God leads them to this specific tent. And in that tent, there must have been two Midianite warriors. 
And one warrior says to the other, you know what? I just had a crazy dream. He says, a loaf of barley bread came crashing down. It hit this tent, threw it up in the air, and the tent came crashing down. What do you suppose that means? And his friend, without hesitation, now these are two Midianites now. These aren't prophets of God. The friend looks to his friend who had the dream and says, well, isn't it obvious? This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Now, I have read this narrative for the last 30 years, and I got to tell you, I don't get it. How on earth could you get this interpretation from this dream? A big loaf of barley bread comes tumbling down out of the hills and runs over the tent and upends it, and then the interpretation is, well, isn't it obvious God has given the Midianites in the hand of Gideon? You know, you can even do all the Hebrew word studies you want. What does barley bread really mean? Well, it's the lesser grain bread. It's the bread that you use to cleanse the dirt, grease, and grime off of your hands after you've had a meal. Remember, they didn't eat with knives, forks, and spoons. So this was a cheap bread that comes down out of the mountain and crashes a tent. Is there a special Hebrew word for tent? Yeah, it's tent. That's all it means. A loaf of bread and a tent, and this is the interpretation. Now, I'm not sure what's going on here, but Gideon gets it. He's so inspired. He looks to his servant Puron. He says, man, did you hear that? Did you hear out of the enemy's mouth that God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into my hands? He said, Puron, this is going to be a major victory. The whole camp, all 135,000 men, we're going to win. Now, I don't know why this event in Gideon's life was the clincher for him. I don't know why suddenly he's transformed from doubt into total ultimate confidence. But God knew that this dream for Gideon and the way he was thinking would seal the deal. Now there's an application here because I believe that God will send you, particular to you, the right words at the right time to inspire you to keep moving forward. You know, I gotta tell you in ministry, that has happened so many times in my life. Can I tell you this? How did Gideon and Purah respond? Gideon was so overwhelmed with this encouragement that God gave him that in verse 15, we're told that when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. You know, so think about this now. Purah and Gideon are on the outskirts of the enemy camp. They are so close to the enemy tent that they can hear a dream and its interpretation. That's pretty close. And yet when they hear the dream and its interpretation, what do they do? Sneak away in quietness back to their own camp? No, they had a praise and worship service right there. It's like he's fearless. At first, the Bible says he worshiped. It's the word for bow down. So he honored God in humility, but then he worshiped. That's another word for exuberant praise. So they're singing and dancing and praising God right there next to the enemy camp. I mean, I look at this and I think, wow, do you think God is successfully building Gideon's faith in God's faithfulness? What did we see Gideon doing in chapter six? He was hiding from the Midianites. He was pressing on the grapes and the wine press and then looking over over the wall to make sure the Midianites weren't coming down to destroy him. He was living in this constant fear and now he's fearless 
because he's been given the word of the Lord, the encouragement at the right time and the right place, and now he goes back to his camp and says, let's go. And I wonder, you know, were they singing and dancing probably to the song, We Are the Champions? Can you imagine? Directly adjacent to the enemy camp, they just start praising God. This is a beautiful example of God loving a man in his most desperate hour. In one great act of kindness, God demonstrated his sensitivity to a man who had grown faint-hearted, his unconditional love to a man who was willing to be obedient, and his sovereign power at a very strategic moment. Do you know what this kind of encouragement can do? Because this is an objective truth, but this is a God who will send you subjective encouragement as well. We are meant to feel the presence of God, just not to know it in our minds, although that's important. We're meant to sense it, to feel it, and to understand the communication of God into our souls. You say, but Pastor Jeff, this is the problem. I gotta tell you, I don't ever hear from God. I wish he would send me encouragement, but this is just simply not my everyday experience. Now listen carefully, because I wanna do with you what God did to Gideon in Purah. I want to take you down near the enemy camp. And I want to take you on a little journey and show you why and how, why you don't hear the word of God and the encouragement that you so desperately need and how then you can do an about face and begin to hear the word of God in your life almost every day. Okay, I want to go back and tell a familiar story. I know many of you know this story, but... I don't think I've ever really gone into detail about the application at the end of the message. And it's when uh, my roommate and I lived in Knoxville, Tennessee. We were going to Bible college together. And our Bible college had a strange rule. We were not allowed to attend a church that wasn't in our particular denomination or movement. And the problem is all the churches in our denomination or movement were just boring. And my roommate and I said, you know, we just, we're not getting fed. We got to find us a church where the, the gospel's being preached and where there's passion and worship. And we found this little Baptist church. Actually, it wasn't little. Downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, Mount Carmel Baptist Church. And uh, they had a fiery young preacher by the name of Dr. Leroy. He was an amazing orator, incredible communicator, PhD in theology. He was well-learned and well-spoken. He had his little idiosyncrasies, but man, that just meant that he could fire you up in a way that no one else can. And so my roommate, Dell and I went down to church and we go just about every week. And by the way, got to tell you, it was an African-American congregation. And the first time we walked in, we were the only people who were not African-American and we were welcomed like princes and kings. They took us up to the front. They, we couldn't sit on the front row now because in those African-American churches, that's reserved for the elders and the pastor. But they put us on the second row. So we had a great view of everything that was happening. So Pastor Leroy would walk out and he started his sermon on this one occasion. And I remember this sermon and I've, I've called it back into my spiritual constitution many times. Again, he was only about five feet, two inches tall and he would parade across the stage and he would wind you up and pull you in. And on this particular occasion, about 10 minutes into his sermon, my friend Ella and I were listening intently. He held up his Bible in the air and he said, I wanna tell you the first time you don't want to be the Capitilla. And I looked at my roommate and I said, Capitilla? What on earth is a Capitilla? And we kind of start laughing. And at that point, these two elderly gentlemen kind of smacked our hands at the back and said, hey, it's kind of like the remote, you don't laugh at the preacher. But I was only laughing because I couldn't understand. 
20 minutes into the sermon, he looked at us and he said, I done told you once, I'm gonna tell you a second time. And he held up his Bible again. He said, you don't wanna be the Capitilla. And by this time, Dell and I are thinking, what on earth is a Capitilla? I mean, what is this thing that we don't wanna be? I mean, we can't obviously be it if we don't know what it is. And then finally, 30 minutes into the sermon, Dr. Leroy Brown pacing back and forth, man, held that Bible in the air one more time and he looked at the congregation and he said, I'm gonna tell you once, I'm gonna tell you twice, I'm gonna tell you a third time. You don't wanna be the Capitilla, you wanna be the butterfly. And at that point, my roommate and I, it dawned on us that he meant to say caterpillar. You don't wanna be the caterpillar, you wanna be the butterfly. We started laughing, but everybody else took it so seriously and we had to just kind of suppress our laughter, but we did get the point. Dr. Leroy Brown was trying to tell us, if you ever hope to morph from a caterpillar to a butterfly, if you ever hope that you're gonna grow so well in intimacy with God that you can hear his voice every day, you're not gonna do it apart from the word of God. And that's why he held his Bible up. And then he gave another illustration that I've never been able to share. He said, you know, my wife and I can communicate to each other without saying a word. All she has to do is give me a look. And sometimes not even that because we have such intimacy together that I know what she's thinking and she can just look at me and the message is received loud and clear. What's he saying? Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that if you want to hear encouragement from God, it's not gonna happen outside of the divine revelation of God to you that's taken by the spirit of God in you to activate the right word at the right time in the right place. You say, Pastor Jeff, I've heard you say that before, but give me a little bit of proof. Okay, Jesus said in John 16, nevertheless, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. You know that word helper? You, you know the word, right? It's parakletos. It's translated Holy Spirit or spirit. But the word parakletos actually means one who comes alongside. It's the word of encouragement. Okay, now we're learning the real issue. For most of us, the real issue is not that God is not speaking. The real issue is we don't recognize his voice when he does. You hear me? It's not that God is not speaking to you, that you've moved so far away from God that his voice is faint. We lack disciplines in our lives that yield intimacy, which yield communication between us and God. You remember what Pastor Leroy Brown said? My wife needs not speak to communicate to me. David said, early in the morning will I seek you. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts, Psalm 63, 1. Samuel said, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening, 1 Samuel 3, 9. Paul said, what, O Lord, do you want me to do? My wife and I are so intimate at this point in our marriage that we need not speak. Now we do because it's good to hear audible things, but they're not necessary. I know what she's thinking and I know what she would desire of me. And she knows what I would desire of her in every given situation because we are so familiar with each other's words and we know each other's minds. And even when I'm not with her, I can receive encouragement from her because I know what she would say when things are tough. Here's my advice to you. You wanna hear from God? Like Gideon and Purah, do you want to know that God is sending you the right word of encouragement that will give you the ability to move forward? If you want to experience that kind of encouragement every day of your life, 
to strengthen your heart every day of your life, to face the unfortunate events every day of your life. There's only one way. Saturate your mind with the word of God so that the spirit will have ammunition to fire into your life at the right time and the right place for ultimate encouragement. Listen to the Bible every day. Some of you say, well, I don't like reading. Man, you have no excuse these days. I just got this new Bible app on my phone. And at night, before I go to bed, I just push play and it actually reads for me the Bible and I can listen to the story of the narratives. Right now I'm in the book of Acts and I'm learning again the power of the early church. Get the Bible app that speaks to you. Get an audio app. Read whatever you have to do, but saturate your mind with the word of God. It is the only way forward. You can even get the one with the American reading the Bible, putting on his best British accent because he thinks the Bible sounds more spiritual that way. I don't care who reads it. Just read it. Listen. Just do it. You will not believe the encouragement you will find every day as the Spirit of God fires the right word at the right time in the right place for the victories of your life. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's where we're going to stop for today. But next time, we'll hear the rest of this message about Principle 5 found in Judges, that God will send us encouragement when we grow weary and afraid. Every time God speaks a hard word to you, if you run, you will end up running so far away from God that His voice will become faint. God has not moved. You have. Repent, obey, trust, and see if you don't feel the presence and the power and the wisdom of God and see if you will not experience the right word at the right time and the right place as you saturate your mind with the word of God that the wisdom and the power of God begins to overwhelm you. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 